Hello, and welcome to ADHD Essentials, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Mahan. I'm a former teacher and mental health clinician turned ADHD coach, trainer, and consultant. I can be reached at brendan at adhdessentials.com. Here at ADHD Essentials, we help families develop the skills and knowledge needed to better manage attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Visit ADHDessentials.com for more details. What's up, team? A big thank you to Jeffrey Gordon of Ideal Video Strategies. He did the heavy lifting on this episode. Learn more about his work at IdealVideoStrategies.com. Also, I want to let you know, I currently have a few openings for one-on-one clients. So if you think working with me might be helpful to you, feel free to reach out to me at brendan at ADHDessentials.com. And don't forget to join the gentlemen of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network on a live Q&A Tuesday, April 14th at 1.30 Eastern. Go to ADHDrewired.com slash events to register. And if you are not listening to the other two gentlemen of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network, I recommend you check out their shows. ADHD Rewired with Eric Tivers is interview-based and focuses on adult ADHD. And in Hacking Your ADHD, Will Curb shares quick, actionable tips to better manage attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And finally, the best way to support this show is by sharing it with others, either online or in person. So let the folks in your Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram feeds know that we exist. Or, when you're Zooming with a friend, let them know about us. And don't forget to throw that five-star rating and review up onto iTunes. It really helps people find the show, and that's critical, especially now. Welcome to the show. Today, we're talking to my friend, Alan Brown. Alan is an entrepreneur, former marketing executive, and the president of Crusher Solutions, where he creates the ADD Crusher videos, the ADD Crusher tools, and Crusher TV. He's also created a guide called Stop Making Your ADD Worse, which can be found on addcrusher.com. In today's episode, Alan and I talk about taking care of our brains and how to do it. We discuss how visual clutter impacts us and our children, the importance of paying attention to what we're paying attention to, and why simple carbs, though tasty and comforting, are not a good plan. We also discuss tools that can help our kids better manage their emotions. And they work for us too. All right, let's get rolling. So I'm Alan Brown. I am a productivity and ADHD coach, and I created ADD Crusher, which are instructional quote-unquote, virtual coach uh, videos and audios uh, that I sell at addcrusher.com. These teach 10 strategies for uh, adults and teens and also are very helpful for parents of ADHD kids. These are strategies to help manage ADHD. And I am a um, one who was undiagnosed in childhood and was diagnosed later in life. It's one reason why I call myself a mess-to-success entrepreneur. Uh, I was flopping around for quite a few years. And it wasn't until I was 36 that I got my diagnosis. And pretty much since then, I've been putting together strategies, uh, some of which I call brain hacks. And I'm going to share some of those today with you. And uh, it's, again, it's great to be here with you, Brennan. 
Awesome. It's great to have you on too, because it's been, we've known each other a while, but you haven't been on the show yet. So it's great to, to finally connect. And I get to meet with you every week now because we're, you're doing some coaching work with me where I'm the one being coached on the business side of the ADHD world because I need that because I still feel like I'm flopping around like a fish sometimes. <laughs> I was flopping around quite a bit today, my friend. We're all flopping. <laughs> I'm with you. Where we've been talking about sort of the, the brain hacks that you that you're cha- you champion. And, and we even have an episode title for today's show, which is usually I title them afterwards, but we've got a plan this time, which is pretty exciting for me. Um, and we're kind of talking mindful over matter, how to power up your kid's brain. What's the plan here? What are you thinking? You know, some years ago, I was inspired. I was blown away by a video I came across. And you, you can find it by, if you just search, just breathe kindergarten. And it's a bunch of kindergartners talking about being in touch with their emotions and getting mindful and, and, and dealing with their emotions by quieting their mind and, you know, sort of meditating. And I thought, wow, you can teach a five-year-old to meditate. And I started reaching your, researching that. And sure enough, you can teach uh, a child to meditate and, um, or at least get some of the benefits of the uh, self-awareness, et cetera. What occurred to me is that, you know, at some point in our lives, we realize that our brain is its own thing. You know, uh, and I, I, the analogy I, I like is, is your car. You know, you don't treat your engine the same way you treat your tires or your, your leather interior. You know, you just polish the outside of those things. But when it comes to your engine, you got to do certain special things with the oil and the fluids and all that. And it's much the same with your brain. We can't treat our brain the same way we treat our ankle or our foot. I think it's important to introduce to our children as early on as possible that your brain is its own thing and that, you know, your thoughts are part of that and that they are something that is not necessarily them, right? They're just thoughts. Knowing that you can indeed teach kids this kind of thing, uh, it opens up a a really big opportunity, especially for ADHD kids. And and later on, I'm going to share a little bit of research that came out about the power of mindfulness and ADHD cognitive abilities and in, in cognitive improvements in kids. Uh, but that's how I kind of got to this area of helping, how to help power up your kid's brain. One of the things we've talked about just prior to recording is like sleep and diet and exercise and, and that kind of stuff. Before we go into that, I want to share something with you that I don't think you're aware of. My teaching career ended in, I don't know, like seven or eight years ago, like a while ago, right? I was either going to be an ADHD coach or I was going to be a guidance counselor, one of the two, right? And I'm kind of exploring the ADHD coaching world and trying to figure that out. This is when 365 Ways to Succeed with ADHD was put out by Lori Dupart. I don't know if you remember that forever ago. Yes, I was, I was in those books, yeah. I was on a flight to Antigua to go on vacation post my career ending. Cause sometimes you make good decisions when you have ADHD and uh, <laughs> we already had the <laughs> just, tickets. Just when the money spigot shuts off, let's go to Antigua. Right. We already had the tickets, but I'm flying out there trying to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. And I'm listening to this telesummit and yours was the first one I listened to. And you made it easy to understand. Like you made me go, Oh, okay. I get it. Like I get what it is that you need to do to navigate ADHD. I get it. And so in no small way have you influenced my role as 
an ADHD coach, an ADHD consultant, an ADHD trainer as the ADHD essentials person because you put things in a way that was clear and succinct and easy to digest. And I, I was a sixth grade English teacher, so I tend to do that anyway. And I gravitate to stuff that is that level of clarity of communication. But I really appreciated that telesummit. And I really appreciated your specific part of it. And I listened, yours is the only one I listened to more than once. Uh, and I didn't need to, I just liked it. It's not like I didn't get what you were talking about on the, from the jump. I was just like, this is really good and really well said. So I want to thank you for that. And I want to do it on this podcast so everyone hears it. Well, thank you for that. Thank you. And what a great compliment about keeping things simple and easy to understand and implement coming from a sixth grade teacher. I mean, really, thank you. That's awesome. That's always been my mission. I've, you know, I'm, I'm a really slow reader, as most ADDers are. 30% of us are, are dyslexic, and the majority of the other 70% just have terrible reading comprehension. I'm very slow. So I've always had a bone to pick with just information that's not presented. Just give me, just put it in, in layman's terms. Show me you know, what it is I need to do, help me understand it. So, so yeah, so thank you very much. And that's such a neat little story that I will carry with me always that uh, you were on a flight to Antigua listening to that presentation I did many years ago with uh, Lori Dupar. And part of what you talked about in that presentation was exactly that sort of lifestyle choices, diet and sleep and exercise and that kind of stuff. So let's, let's go there. Yeah. What are, what's your advice? Yeah. I mean, here it is. This, the least sexy of all productivity or ADHD advice is diet, exercise, sleep, right? But when you think about the care and maintenance of your brain, which again is different from the body of your car, it's the engine. You know, if you're not feeding it right, you're just making things more difficult for you. So for instance, and here's my mantra, so to speak, about diet is Sugar sucks, carbs kill, protein is power, and omegas are megas. So, for instance, when we see kids who are snacking on potato chips, let alone cookies, any of the, you know, pizza, all this stuff with all these especially simple carbs, it provides a quick blast of, of brain glucose that fires up the brain real quick, but then you crash very quickly. Uh, and the same goes for sugar and carbs. Carbs turn into sugar. And so, you know, I knew, I knew many people in the advertising business, I used to be in the ad business, who would walk around in the morning with a container of Mountain Dew. I was like, what are you doing? Well, it's got the caffeine. No, it's got the sugar. That's what you're, and so anyway, um, protein is where the sustained mental energy comes from. And then omegas, there's a fair amount of research that says that uh, omegas can indeed help uh, with cognitive improvement, et cetera. But then just quickly touching on sleep and exercise. Many of us here have heard the quote from uh, uh, Dr. John Rady, the co-author co of uh, Driven to Distraction with Ned Hollowell, who said that um, exercise creates a brain chemical that's like miracle grow for the brain. And it's called neurotropic brain or neurotropic brain factor. So if your kids are not getting outside and you yourself, if you're not getting outside doing some kind of cardio, cardio a few times a week, you are making your ADHD worse. Uh, and then just finally on sleep, so often uh, poor sleep habits are misdiagnosed as ADHD and vice versa. But when you put the two together, Man, ADHD and not getting enough quality sleep and then going off to school. This was a problem for me when I was in uh, uh, junior high. Again, like we were talking about, we were, I was flopping around 
for years in school in large part because I wasn't getting enough sleep. So again, not the sexiest stuff, but if you don't have these fundamentals nailed down, everything gets harder. And when you do have them all working at like even 80%, everything gets easier. All the ships in the harbor rise, as they say. Yeah, I live pretty strictly around my sleep. I'm, I'm pretty good with getting sleep and nailing that down. And I'm dragging today because I was out doing a workshop last night. I didn't get home till 11, probably didn't fall asleep till midnight. I'm usually in bed at 10. So I'm two hours at least shy on my out on my sleep today. And I it, I am not focused and I don't have the kind of energy that I need. And so sleep is critical. Yeah. And I, I find that when I am not getting uh, good sleep the night before, what am I doing? I'm eating. I'm more tempted to eat foods because my brain is hungry for the glucose. Uh, I'm more, more inclined to eat foods that are not the best. I don't keep them in the house, but um, you know, you can still run over to the diner and grab something or whatever. But also, I find myself using my medication a little bit more, you know, because I'm kind of trying to prop up the side brain. I'm with you. Cinnamon Life cereal caught me today. <laughs> You've got to stop that. You've got to cut that out. But, you know, another sort of input to your brain is what you see with your eyes. You know, another sort of unsexy thing is your environment. The, the clutter that's around us. And there's a great deal of research about how, um, you know, visual clutter is, is stealing our attention and our mental energy stealthily. Uh, so if, you know, if a child is trying to do homework in an extremely cluttered, uh, let alone uh, noisy area, now some kids may be able to study well with music coming through headphones, et cetera, but um, decluttering the environment can be a real boost for the mind and the ability to focus. So that's another kind of what I call a brain feeder. It, you know, clutter is like the opposite of feeding the brain. It really does exhaust energy. So I always make sure that when I'm sitting down to work, I'm working. You can see behind me, this is my new house we just moved into. Yeah, it's pretty blank back there. Everything is going to be white, baby. Everything is white. My sofa, my media console, my desk, everything. Because I know that this brain loves it when there is a, like a, a, the surface of a lake in front of me. And when there's a bunch of stuff, I can feel that energy being stolen. So there's sort of your tip number, number two. If number one is diet, sleep, and exercise, number two is let's, let's make sure that we're clearing the clutter out of the way, at least in the area where we're trying to do the work or our, our kids are trying to do their homework. Yeah, and that feeds back into the diet stuff you were talking about because you said you just don't have that stuff in the house. One, that's going to reduce clutter, but two – by reducing clutter and getting that stuff hidden, you're not going to see the cinnamon life cereal and you're not going to eat the cinnamon life cereal because your brain is craving glucose because you didn't get enough sleep. Do not have cap and crunch and <laughs> sugar frosted flakes, flakes sitting on your desk in front of you while you're trying to work. That's a no, no. All right. So what, what else, what else we need to pay attention to? Well, let's get into paying attention to what you're paying attention to. As Jeff Copper would say, I don't know if our audience is familiar with his great work. He's been on an amazing guy. And he did talk about fresh ways of putting things and seeing things. Every time I talk to him, he, I just go, where did you get that? It makes perfect sense, but I've never heard it before. So yeah, so paying attention to what you're paying, paying attention to, that's really what mindfulness is about, right? Listening to what's going on in your mind. And I mentioned at the top that I was really intrigued and inspired by this uh, YouTube video. It's gotten over 2 million views called uh, Just Breathe. And it's these, these four or five-year-old kids just talking about how when I get angry, 
I feel like my brain is doing this and that, and I can feels like a bunch of uh, glitter flying around inside of a snow globe, and it's turmoil, et cetera. And you know, to hear kids this young be able to describe what they see going on inside their head and when they're angry or frustrated, et cetera, is proof that you can really educate a kid. And what what I want to stress is that if you can just talk with your kid about emotions, worry, anger, and you, know, you don't have to be a psychotherapist to get into, hey, well, so tell me what you're feeling. Tell me what's happening uh, in your mind. What do you, you know, tell me about your worry. And give them words too, right? Especially as they're younger. Because sometimes kids don't know how they feel. And you have to say to them, you seem a little frustrated. You seem a little angry. You seem a little overwhelmed. And now they're starting to get the vocabulary so that they can share that with you later. And also when we can name an emotion, we get a little more control over it and we get a little more of an ability to move past it and get through it. You're probably way more expert on this particular area than I am having worked with uh, kids 12 and 11 and, and perhaps younger. But that's a great point is, you know, help them with the vocabulary of the inner mind, you know, teach them what the ego is. You know, so that when they come home and they've, you know, either been bullied or there's some other thing and some other offense or, or wrong, you know, you can talk about, well, you know, is that you or is that your ego or, you know, your pride, as, as uh, you might put it. But um, just getting kids to understand these underlying principles of worry, ego, being able to be the witness, not that you would use that term necessarily, but just being able to be the witness of what's going on in your mind. I mean, I didn't learn. <laughs> 80% or 90% of the crap that's flying around in my head is complete BS until I was 35 and somebody gave me as a gift the audiobook of uh, Deepak Chopra's Seven Laws of Spiritual Success, which you know, te teaches the, the basics of you know, med meditation and mindfulness and just recognizing that most of what is happening in your brain is ego-based noise. It's just me this, me that, I did that, I did this, I feel bad, I feel good. And then a bunch of petty judgments of look how stupid his shoes are, look at that stupid hat, and I'm better looking than him, and all that. And when you can just just recognize that that is mostly ego based crap that is also, by the way, burning a bunch of energy. Man, if I understood that at a younger age, wow. Yeah, and I've I've talked to my kids about the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex, right? And how the prefrontal cortex makes careful decisions, maybe not good ones, but careful ones at least. And the amygdala is responsible solely for keeping you safe. And because its whole job is to keep you safe, it constantly thinks you're not safe. It's a really poor judger of whether you are safe or not. It's just like, no, you're not safe. And it's the prefrontal cortex's job to be like, we are, settle down. <laughs> and giving my kids that language to be able to talk about that so that I can talk to them about like, yeah, but... I think this is just your amygdala kind of freaking out. I think you're okay. I think that you're safe. You're just, you're not talking back to your amygdala enough has helped them get through some stuff. That's so cool that you shared it with them. And it's funny, it's in that video, the Just Breathe video, you have a little sort of demonstration by one of these young girls, a girl with a magic marker who's drawing the frontal cortex and saying, you know, this is the frontal cortex and what it's trying to do is do this. But then when it gets shut off, the amygdala does this. So... Yeah, great stuff. And again, I wish when I was six, seven, eight years old that I at least had that picture of my mind that there's this little lizard thing in there 
that is my amygdala, and that's the thing that gets angry, but it's my front of my brain, the smart part, uh, with the headlights or whatever, however we want to visualize that, that helps me see through you know, the darkness or the confetti or, or whatever that is. My guess is that that's where the snow globe is coming from. My guess is that that's an exercise because I've seen similar exercises used with kids. And it's actually a great one for adults too. That clutter you talked about, right? If you take a snow globe and you shake it up, there's this confetti clutter all over the place. It's not still. So when you're feeling anxious, one strategy to use, and you can teach this to kids easily, take the, take the snow globe, shake it up, and then watch the confetti settle and try to like breathe through that so that your mind is settling while the confetti and glitter is settling. And then hopefully you're doing better. Maybe you have to shake it two or three times, but it's a way to bring yourself back down to baseline. That is brilliant. That is brilliant. You know, we've all heard of the, you know, pause and count to 10 when you're angry kind of thing. And I was a kid at our school growing up who had a really bad temper. And then we just made more fun of him when he stopped to go one, two, three, four. So, yeah. you know, if he had a little snow globe, he might go over to his locker and shake that thing and just kind of watch it. But seriously, that is a really wonderful concept to have a, a snow globe and, and have that be sort of your, your symbol of what's going on in your head so that you can actually watch it quiet down. And again, in that video, one of the girls is talking about how when she's angry, she, she described it just like that, that it's a bunch of glitter flying around in a snow globe kind of thing. And then later in the video, they show all the, the glitter settling down to the bottom when the kids, and it's really, it's just, and it's beautifully done too. You reminded me of something, um, the power of, you know, just the word yes with kids too, and, you know, praise and just, you know, when they are able to acknowledge something or, or, you know, identify uh, with some self-awareness or be mindful. They just, they just get fueled and you know better than I do on this, but they just get fueled by the word yes and praise and saying, yeah. Um, and too often we get, you know, we take it for granted and uh, we need to remember to make sure we're delivering those yeses and the, those little bits of praise all the time. One of the things I've been tuned into recently, I think I read it in an Attitude Magazine article, is with ADHD, we talk about that rejection sensitivity a lot, right? And how harsh that is for us. The inverse of that is exactly what you're talking about, how powerful praise is, because praise is acceptance, praise is, is connection. And so looking at it from that lens is it, it's not a new concept, but it's marrying two concepts that I already, I already knew about in a way that's been pretty meaningful for me. Yeah. You know, it, it's, as I try to, you know, think of, uh, you know, another kind of way for parents to view the whole thing. We make such efforts to work with them on their homework, to work with them on their IEP and uh, be supportive, help them with that big project, et cetera. And this, uh, this is really maybe the biggest project of all, because really what's in between our ears is, is the most powerful app in the world. If we can use that we are unstoppable. Yeah. That is the key to succeeding with ADHD is using your own brain. And, and that requires mindfulness. It requires awareness of self. So what else? Do you have anything, any other strategies that are floating around? I share a lot of, again, what I call brain hacks. And um, they, they work for adults and teens. And I'm going to share one 
that is really, it's my favorite brain hack in the world. And I, I've seen it, it work certainly with teens, and I think it can work with, with younger kids even. And that is, you know, as 80 years, we all have difficulty staying focused on a, on a single task, right? We're sitting down to work on our homework on, in, in, in that subject that we don't like or whatever that is. And of course, our brain wants to go off somewhere else. It wants to go to the video game or it wants to go thinking about that other thing or whatever that is. And then, of course, there are also, you know, interruptions and dings and texts and this and that, even for young kids, um, certainly for tweens and then teens, you know, the phone going off and the messages and the emails and all that and the IMs. But the hack I, I, I teach a lot is called do what you're doing now. And the idea is that when you sit down to work on your homework or for our parents out there, if you're sitting down to work on that tough email or project for work or planning an event or whatever it is, make pause and make a conscious statement out loud, ideally, that says, this is what I'm working on now. This thing is what I'm working on now. And then even, I even go to the trouble to, I will write, I'll take a new sticky, blank sticky out and I'll write to do at the top of this. And then I'll write the one thing that I'm going to work on. You know, it could be math homework or you know, Spanish homework or whatever that is. And then I take that sticky off and I, and I put it right in here. You can hear this. I put it right, right next to my, my laptop. And that is now the only thing that's on my to-do list by just doing that little visual trick. And by saying out loud, that is what I'm doing now. Everything else is not what I'm doing now. And so by just creating that little psychological fence around this task, it really helps you stay focused so that, you know, as opposed to, hey, I'm going to go work on my homework a little bit. And then you start getting into it and you haven't created any kind of psychological boundary. Sure, you may have closed your door. Sure, you may have turned off the music or whatever. But without that additional psychological boundary, you are more vulnerable to interruptions, distractions, that, that thought that comes in your head that says, all right, let me just go chase this on YouTube for, and then lose 30 minutes or whatever. So there's, there's a, a brain hack, maybe a little bit more advanced for some kids. But again, when we can get our kids to understand that their brain is its own entity and that we can actually instruct it to do things, then it, it could very well work even for the younger kids. I love that strategy that this is what I'm doing now. I'm doing my math homework. I'm reading a book, whatever it is. Can I play a little bit Sure. with that? Cause I got some stuff that's jumping into my head first. If you write down what I'm doing right now is planning a birthday party, put a sticky note down and then you find that you're not doing it, but you're not distracted right? You're not like going over and making a hamburger or a chicken salad sandwich or something. You're actually sitting there trying to send the email, do the thing, but it's not happening. That's okay. You're climbing the wall of awful. And you have to get past the wall of awful before you can do the thing. Just notice that because you climb faster when you know that's what you're doing. Apply whatever other strategies you might need to get to the other side and start planning that birthday party, doing that math homework. Yeah. And then the other component of this in and let me back up and same for your kid. If they're not doing the homework that they said they're doing, they're probably climbing the wall of awful. Just gently talk to them about that. Hey, I see that you got the sticky note down. It says you're doing math homework, but it looks like you haven't actually started yet. Are you climbing the wall of awful? And can I help? Something like that. Well done. Bravo. Thank you. 
The other side of this though, is sometimes you might have a kid, this is a very kid specific one. You might have a kid, writes it down, I'm doing my math homework, and then they're picking a fight with mom or dad. Like, I, homework is stupid, I don't wanna do homework. Homework is dumb, da 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 da. Homie, you're not doing your math homework. You're arguing with me. <laughs> and if you can gently point that out, you might be able to redirect them. It's different if you're like, stop fighting with me and do your homework. That's not what I mean. Yeah. I mean like, okay, I mean you're sort of doing your math homework, but mostly you're arguing with me. So what if we just don't do that and, and I help you get the math homework done? So that as a mom, as a dad, that's another strategy to use. But to do that, you can't rise to the bait of the argument. And if you're stuck in that pattern with your kid, you got to interrupt it. And that's more mindfulness. Yeah, yeah. You, you remind me of, you know, the concept of triggers and making sure that both parent and child know each other's triggers, right? And just, They put them there. And steer clear of them, yeah. And just being mindful of time. Do you have any ending essentials that you'd like to share with our audience? I do. I'm so glad you asked. I, in just kind of brushing up on my, on my notes on this topic, I found this uh, clipping from the New York Times from a few years ago, and I'm just going to read from it because it really is extraordinary. The, the, the title of the, of the article is The Mindful Child, and it says, it's long been known that meditation helps children feel calmer, but new research is helping quantify the benefits for elementary school-aged children. A recent study found that fourth and fifth grade students who participated in a four-month meditation program showed improvements in executive functions like cognitive control, working memory, cognitive flexibility, and better math grades, right? That's, there's your list of all the stuff that we 80 years have a tough time with, right? Um, cognitive control, working memory. A study published recently in the journal Mindfulness found similar improvements in mathematics in fifth graders with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And a study of elementary school children in Korea showed that eight weeks of meditation lowered aggression social anxiety, and stress levels. These investigations, along with a review published in March, blah, 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 illustrate how meditative practices have the potential to actually change the structure and function of the brain in ways that foster academic success. Uh, so, and I'll just one more sentence. Fundamental principles of neuroscience suggest that meditation can have its greatest impact on cognition when the brain is in its earliest stages of development. So a nice way to put a bow on all that from where you've started, which was you can teach a four-year-old to meditate, and then the scientific evidence that the earlier you start, the better the results are gonna be. Hey, you're still here. Nice. Thanks for staying focused all the way through. If you have any thoughts, or questions about today's episode, feel free to email me at brendan at ADHDessentials.com. And don't forget to check out the website, ADHDessentials.com, and visit our Facebook community. I'm looking forward to talking to you again next week. In the meantime, keep focusing on improvement over perfection. 10% better is all you need.